It's lovely. It is lovely to see you all. Um, I was actually going to preach a completely different word to what I'm now preaching. Uh, last night, I don't know what time I went to bed, but the Lord woke me and reminded me of some scriptures, and I really felt that he was saying that he wanted me to share it this morning, so I'm going to share it this morning. Um, but before I do, I just want Matt to play, uh, play the song that we shared yesterday. Okay, let's just pray together. Father, we just want to thank you so much that you love us. Your, lo- your love is amazing to us, Father. Indescribable. Unfathomable, Lord. And Father, as I share these words this morning, Lord, I ask, Father, in Jesus' name, that somehow into our mind, Father, and into the places of our pain, that you would come, Father, and rename those places, Lord. Rename them, Father, and reframe them. And Father, we, we want to journey, Lord. We want a journey with you, Lord. And I know that there's many people in this house, Father, who sometimes, Father, they just sit in the same place, unable to move forward because of the pain of the memories, Father. But Lord, I just ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that the pain would be taken out of those memories, Father, by your Spirit, Lord, that they would be taken out, Father, that you would do that you would do miracles, Father, supernatural movement, Father, in our minds, Lord. And we give you permission, Lord, right now. Come on, give him permission. Give him permission. Lord, I give you permission. Say it after me, Lord. I give you permission to move in my mind by your Spirit to do miracles. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... Now, I, I remember many years ago that I, I preached on this. I might have even done a series on it. Uh, but last night, it was very clear to me to share this. So, um, it's Genesis 11. might be good if you could put this up, Josh. Genesis 11, and from verse 27 to the end of the chapter. It says, this is the genealogy of Terah, Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah. And the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishka. But Sarah was barren, she had no child. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, his son Abraham's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Okay, so just to break it down for you. Terah was the father of three sons, 
Abram, Nahor, and Haran. One of the sons of Terah died, and his name was Haran. And of course, for any parent seeing a child die uh, before they die is, is a traumatic experience. It's not meant to happen. Um, so basically, Terah, as a father, lost his son. And then Lot, as a son to Haran, lost his dad. Okay, so there's quite a lot of loss and grief in what's going on in this journey. So they are going from one place to another. They're on a journey. Um, and they live in the Ur of Chaldeans. But in the heart of the father, so in the heart of Terah, was already something that was telling him to move to the land of Canaan. But the things that they were experiencing, as, as well as all that, there was Abraham's wife, Sarah, who was barren. And I want you to think about barrenness in terms of an unfruitful part of your life. Okay, so when we think about barrenness, think in those terms. Because there's many fruitful parts of your life, isn't there? There's many productive parts. There's many parts of your life that bring forth good things. But then there's other parts that are not so fruitful. So those, we could say, are barren parts. And of course, life throws all sorts of difficulties at us, all sorts of challenges. It is life. You know, we, we live this life, and there's wonderful things, but there's many painful things as well. Life is full of things that are unexpected, things that come at us, things that we find ourselves in that we had no choice about. And I had a tremendously good question yesterday from someone that was at Dimensions. Um, and I've said many times before that the quality of your questions determine where you're going to go and how fast you're going to get there. The quality of your questions. And, and this young lady asked me a very specific question um, of course, the, there are things in the journey that we can make choices about. So you can make choices about certain things. Every day you're making choices. And sometimes your non-choices are choices. You understand me? When you don't make a choice about something that you know you should be making a choice about, you've actually made a choice. And if you keep making that choice, or that non-choice, again and again... Well, there is a consequence for that non-choice because that in itself was a choice and it takes you somewhere. So these things, we've got to become a little bit more clearer about them. We've got to begin to think a little bit more seriously about the way that our choices affect our life. So, of course, many of us go, yes, I understand that. I know that my choice determines my future. Because God has already decided what he wants for your future. Okay, so please don't be in any, any doubt about it at all. God's predestination, listen to me, theology right now. God's predestination is that you would have a fantastic life, that you would be adopted as a son of God. Just like Jesus is the son of God, and has all things from the Father, 
the predestination will of God. So in his heart, when he thinks of everybody, he thinks, I want to predestine all of them to a fantastic future. I want them adopted as sons. I want them full of my life. I want them to succeed in every way. I want them to prosper in every way. I want them to enjoy the lives. This is what is in his heart. Do you understand me? When we say that God is a good God, God is a good God. He's nothing but good. You understand me? He's nothing but good. That is his heart. That is where, it's not some kind of, this is not some kind of, we're not, we're not having nice little thoughts about God. These are real things that we know about God. These are facts about God. So God's predetermined, predestined our future already. There is no doubt God wants none to perish. Amen? No, say it. Amen? Does God want anyone to perish? Why? Because he's full of love. And everyone, as far as he is concerned, can be a son of God. Every single person. All right, well, why do bad things happen? Well, we do make wrong choices. Because your choice has got to line up with his predetermined choice already. And if it don't line up with it, you've got a problem. You've got a real problem. Because God says one thing and you're saying something against what God is saying. So we've got to begin to be clear about our thinking. And not blame God for things that God didn't do. Because God gets an awful lot of blame, doesn't he? So we know that on this journey there are choices that we make. We also realize that there's some choices that are made for us. That, that in life, we can be born into situations that we had no choice in whatsoever. Um, and we find ourselves being formed in our mind. We experience things around us. We want to choose well, but of course... The way that we've grown up, the things that surround us, they all have a say in what go, goes on. But this young lady who was talking to me yesterday, she said, well, Paul, I understand about the choices that we make, but what about the things that happen where we didn't make any choice? What does God do in those things? And my answer to her was this. Well, of course, God cannot... Because he is a loving God, he cannot enter your mind and rearrange things without your will. He can't do anything without you want him to do it. Do you understand me? God, if God does things that you don't want him to do, then he's a manipulator and a controller. And he ain't a manipulator and controller, is he? So God can't do things. He gives you, that is what makes us and sets us apart so much. God gives us the ability, the desire, the, the, the freedom to choose what we want to do. Yes? Is everyone with me so far? And if he didn't do that, then actually the minute that he starts to play with your mind... 
then it means that he can play with everybody's mind. And he can do things that you don't want him to do. But God loves us more than anyone in the whole universe. God is love. And therefore, he loves us so much that he does not take away our own will. He gives us all the information that we need. He gives us all, the, all his own will. He gives us the Holy Ghost. He gives us the Bible. He gives us fellowship. He puts us in families. He does everything that he can do in order that we can make the right choices. But as I said, sometimes we're in a situation where the choice is not our choice. And now we're getting hurt or abused or misused by things that are going on around us that we do not understand. And we blame God for those things. But God, what is, what is God's part in all that? Well, I, God works in mysterious ways and beautiful ways. We know that. But we know that God influences and God tries to move and do all sorts of things. He tries to speak to us. He gives us dreams. He gives us visions. He talks through your television set. He can do anything. God can do anything and move in any way around you in order to get your attention. Do you understand me? And he can do that in every situation that you've ever been in. Now listen, I have been in situations that were dreadful, that you cannot even imagine, really. And I don't even want you to imagine them because they were so bad that they did something inside me and I had no knowledge of what was going on. I didn't make any choice to uh, go through the trial that happened and the things that went on. I, had no, I was just swept into it. I had no choice about it. I, I, I had no place in it. I didn't understand what was going on. Where was God in all of that? Where was he? Well, I don't know what God had been trying to do before. I don't know how he tried to rearrange things. I don't know how he'd been trying to speak to the people who were all involved in that situation. I have no idea. But I know that God loves us so much that I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that he was trying to do something. And not only that, he had done something thousands of years ago in Jesus. Do you understand me? He knew that we would come into situations of pain and grief and all sorts of things. And the, the, the covenant that he had with his son was that his son was going to go into that place for us and actually take that pain and that grief and all the things that you went through all those situations and all the situations that you will go through, Jesus in some way already took the pain and the grief from those things on himself. That's what he did. So God did absolutely everything that he could in that situation that you don't understand. Truly he did. And we will know these things much better when we get to be with him, won't we? But somehow, you've got to understand that God is your restorer and he is your redeemer. Do you understand me? Because what happened to this man was that he lost one son. And that son he loved with all his heart. Of course he did. He was his son. But he still had two other sons. 
And I know that doesn't compensate for the one that you've lost. But there were still two others. And still, he had a purpose inside him and a destiny to go to. But the son that he lost, his name was Haran. And it says that they went on a journey and they came to a place that was called Haran. Now, we don't know if that place was called Haran because they had previously named the place Haran or because it was just, that was a coincidence. That's where they came on the journey. But do you see where it got to for him? He had a call in his heart. He had a destiny. He had some place to go. He had a journey. But when he got to this place that reminded him of his son, who he had lost, he was unable to move any further. He had the call to go into the land of Canaan. And yet, when he got to this place, he could not go any further. You see, the name contained the pain. And when he thought about it, it brought back all the pain of his memories. Because as we've said, your mind is a powerful tool. This is what we said last week. Your mind is an incredible, powerful tool. On the one hand, you've got your memories that replay things that have happened in the past. And a lot of time when they replay that in your mind, it's like a tape. You all know this. It's like a tape that goes round and it keeps on telling you the same thing again and again. You've also got your imagination that pre-plays your future. But a lot of the time we never get to the future because our memories keep replaying the past. And when they replay the past, they also touch into the pain that the past caused us. I mean, literally, I used to go to places and I would smell a plant and it would immediately take me back to the place that I'd been. Do you understand me? To the, to the memory that was in there. And it would start, as it were, a tape in me. I'd go back to that place, immediately the tape would start. I'd smell something, immediately it'd start. I'd see something, immediately it'd start. What was going on? The tape was going. And the pain was deep inside me. And God needed to heal me of that pain in order to move forward. Now listen, I want to try and help you understand that he is our redeemer. Now all the, th all the things that I went through could have literally disabled my life from ever going anywhere again. Really. I mean, if you've heard about fears and phobias and anxieties, and I had them all. At one point, I wasn't eating any food apart from lamb and drinking water and pears. That's all I was eating because I was allergic to everything. Can you imagine that? My whole body was aching. Everything. It wasn't just my head. It was my whole body that ached because all this pain was inside me. And God showed me some things. That he redeems all of these things and he restores us and brings us out the other side so that we can carry on walking. So, that's one of the things that we have to, we have to say that Christianity has to become Intentional. It has to become intentional. Your life has to become intentional. 
Many people are just carried with the flow of what's going on. And they seem to think that God is going to make their choices for them. God is not going to make your choices for you. All that God tells you is the choices that he has already made for everybody because he loves you so much. Your choices must come in line with his choices. Do you understand me? This is not just you going, well, that was a nice meeting. It's not you just going, well, I agree. No, no, it's far more than that. It's far more than that. You have got to become absolutely intentional about what you are listening to and what you are agreeing with and what you actually believe. Because when you become like that, your life begins to go in that direction. If you just sit there and think nice thoughts, it's not enough. It doesn't even matter if you pray about it. Now listen to me. You can pray as much as you want for someone, but if they don't say yes, there's a problem. Do you understand me? You can pray as much as you want, but in the end, God's not going to force anyone. He's not going to manipulate anyone. He's not going to control anyone because he ain't a witch. He's not a witch. Please understand me. God needs us to be intentional. A lot of people think, well, the presence of God is just going to come along and change my life. No, the presence of God is going to come along and you are going to feel the presence of God. But actually, along with the presence of God goes the principles of God. And you have to know the principles of God because the principles are what comes out of his person. His principles are his instructions. His principles are his knowledge. His principles are his will. So it's not enough just to be in his presence. We must have his principles. His presence and his principles equal power. That's how it is. That's what we need. Some people have a lot of presence. Some places have a lot of presence. Some people have a lot of principles. You know, some... It's, this is how it is. Some, some places have a lot of principles. It's all principle, principle. Some people have a lot of presence. Ooh, it's the Holy Ghost, wonderful. Some people have lots of power, but actually it's all three. Who is the person of Jesus? Isn't it? It's not only his presence, it's not only his essence. It's his actual will and what he actually thinks and what he actually wants. So, you, so we have to be clear about these things. This is not about some kind of special stream or you know this is faith teaching or this is this kind of teaching or this is this kind of teaching no it's not just get to God and go Lord what what Paul was sharing today what Adam was sharing today is it actually true or what ask him and if it is true you better do it really because it ain't church as it's been we're in a different moment so let me just talk about Peter you all remember Peter. Let's go to this. Simon Peter, John 13, and verse 36 to 38. Can you put that up there, Josh? Now, when I envisioned doing this, speaking this, I envisioned it beautifully gentle. No, no, I did. I envisioned it beautifully gentle. I envisioned it, you know, people were just going, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. I really like that. I envision it completely different to what it's actually coming out of me like. And you have to understand this as well. That sometimes what I want to do 
He's just put my arms around you and kiss you. I want to kiss you and kiss you and kiss you. And I want you to know that you are loved and that God loves you. That's really what I want to do. Sadly, I don't often have the opportunity to do that because actually what happens in us is that we begin to hear the truth and it's the truth that sets us free. And that's the kind of truth that I carry. It sets us free. And the reason that I say it is not because I think that I carry truth. It's because I see that I carry truth. Because people get freed. Do you understand me? There's fruit to what I'm talking about. So I'm not, I'm not boasting about that I carry truth. I'm just saying that I carry truth that's going to get people free because I've seen that many people are free and I'm free. It's an undeniable testimony. So, even though I want to put my arms around you and kiss you and go, oh, I love you, I love you, I just want you to know my heart. Actually, when the truth begins to come out, what happens with us is that we go, well, I'm not sure that I agree with this. I don't know if... You understand me? Every opinion, every argument, every stronghold in your mind just pops up and goes, well, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I like this. Do you understand me? And that's really what it's like stood up here. Because although God loves us greatly, he has to get through to us in a deeper way. Because all of us in this house should know this stuff. We should be carrying this deep in our hearts and we should be giving it away everywhere. Because we have heard this for years now. And some of us do and some of us have got it. But others just need to go, this is a serious moment. You don't have to. You understand me? We, we, we go, well, I, I need counsel. Well, actually, no, what you need is to get yourself to Jesus and to actually talk with him seriously about your stuff. That's what you need. I'm not talking about a prayer meeting. I'm not talking about some song meeting or some worship. I'm talking about you sat with Jesus, telling him about your life. One-on-one, -on -one, face to face, because he loves to see your face and hear your voice. That is the only way, in the end, that we're going to get free. Really. And people are paying hundreds of pounds to see counsellors. Paying hundreds, and I, I'm not saying anything about it. Go and see your counsellors, it's fine. But I want to tell you, you can get free if you want to be free. Yeah. You can, really. So, let's have a look at Peter. This is what happened, John 13. Have we got it up there? Did you get it, Just David? Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now you see what Peter's doing. He's going, he's going Jesus, I love you so much. I'm going to give my life for you. Huh? That's what he's doing. He's going, if everybody else forsakes you, I'm still going to be there. I'm never going to leave you. I love you that much, Jesus, and I want you to know it. So what happens? Well, John 18, can you put that up there? And verse 17, let's have a look at that first. John 18 and verse 17. You all know the story, but it's good to think about it. I want you to think about the situation that he's in. 
Think about the most traumatic thing that you've ever seen. You know, I, I, remember, seeing a, I, I remember seeing a dreadful accident when I was six years old. And I don't remember much about when I was six years old, but I remembered that accident in detail. I once sat with a police officer in a car, and he recalled to me every accident that he'd ever been to. You see, the, the mind's a powerful tool. He says, so verse 17 says, Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Okay, so verse 25, can you put that up, Josh? Verse 25. <clears throat> and actually, you can put up to 25 through to 27. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied him again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Now, just, just think about the situation that's going on. The most excruciating death is about to take place. Jesus has been taken from them. Peter doesn't know what's going on. Everybody is getting anxious and worried. And now, Peter, who said that he loved Jesus, has now denied Jesus three times. Now, imagine as this plays out, so now he's seeing Jesus. He saw him briefly on the cross and then ran away because it was too much. The trauma was too much for him, so he runs away. And now he knows that Jesus has been crucified, he's buried, he's behind, he's in the tomb. And all he can think about, all that keeps going through his mind, is I said that I loved him. And three times I denied him. That's all that is playing through his memories. And on top of that, he's seeing Jesus crucified again and again. He's seen it all. You know, you've seen, you've seen the film, you've seen, you've seen the clips of what it must have looked like just physically, not to mention anything spiritually, but just physically. Can you imagine what is going through his mind? Well, of course, then we know that Jesus rises on the third day. He's risen. But the mind is so powerful that even though Peter has seen Jesus, he's seen him. And even though he's heard that Jesus is alive, and even though he's beginning to recall some of the things that Jesus has said to him, guess what keeps going through his mind? Those memories keep going through his mind. Now, some of you have memories that keep going through your mind. And you, you, you've got to acknowledge them, okay? Because the way to get free is not to deny them. Now, I realize that there's a time to bring out memories, okay? So we believe that the Holy Ghost is in this. There's a time for your memories to come out. But believe me, the way to deal with your memories is not to deny them. It's actually to visit them. But when you visit them, you visit them with Jesus. You're not visiting them alone. You're visiting them with Jesus who loves you and wants to restore you fully. He wants to redeem every little piece of hurt and grief that you were feeling. He wants to redeem it. And listen to me. The memory will not go. The pain 
of the memory will go. The pain will go. Do you know that there was a time? There was a time that I could not. I just could not bring myself to talking about what had happened in my life and the lives of my friends who were, you know, 14 to 20 years old who were all involved in a huge case that was media up and down the country. It was massive. But I could not bring myself to talk about any of those things. In fact, I could barely think about any of those things. And I'd just put them all inside me, you know, in the hope that, well, if they're inside, I can just carry on. The problem was that I couldn't just carry on because that memory kept replaying. And I had many memories. I had many terrible memories that kept replaying. And every time that I thought of those memories, pain came, grief came, questions came. My God, it was like a tsunami of pain that came to me. And it's taken me a long time to get free. But listen, I'm free. I'm completely, utterly free. So I'm here to tell you that no matter how long you have been dealing with these things, you are going to be free and completely free. You were in this house. You were in this house. And if one of us gets it in the house, all of us can get it. Do you understand me? So you can be completely free. That's the good news. It's beautiful. Completely free. But listen to what happened with Peter. Because Peter, even though he's heard about Jesus, even though he's seen Jesus, what's he doing now? Well, we visit him in, can you go to John 21 and verse 1 to 3? We visit him there, and, and what's he done? He's gone to see his best friends, and now he's out in the boat. Where did he go? He, he, go, he goes somewhere where he feels comfort, doesn't he? He'd spent his whole life in his boat. He, he, he loved the feeling of the wood. He loved being on the water. He loved the sound of the water. You know, everything about that. That's where he wanted to be right now. He wanted to be back in his boat. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the sea, at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. So, so he's gone back to some place that he's familiar and he feels comfort and he feels secure. That's where he's gone. That's where we all go. Listen to me. That's where you go. When it gets too much, you go back to that place, to your own little boat. But listen, even though Simon Peter was an excellent fishing man, he probably had a fleet of boats. He knew how to fish. This is the one thing that he knew what to do and how to do it. But that evening, he got another lesson. He got another lesson. You see, before he met Jesus, he didn't realize that every breath, every breath that you breathe, every little move that you take, you see, you're just taking it for granted. You understand me like millions of us. We have our breath and our being and our movement in him. But he'd taken it for granted. He didn't know that every time he threw out his net, 
that God was giving him the life to do it. He didn't know that. You understand me? And then he got to know Jesus. And he gets in the boat. And he's going, well, at least I can do this. And I know this one. You understand me? I know this. I know this. Because I've been to this place where I went, Jesus, I, can, I don't know what to do. The only thing that I can do is paint. That's the only thing that I could do. Just paint. So I went to paint. But even that didn't work. And you see, he wanted to get me attention. He wanted to say, Paul, you'll never be the same again. Because I love you and I'm in you. And I want you. And my life is filling your life. And I want you to realize that without me, you can't do it. You can't actually do anything without me. And these painful thoughts that you were carrying, I want to release you from those pain, the pain of those thoughts. So what did Jesus do? Well, it's in the same chapter. So can you imagine three times Peter has denied Jesus? He said, I love you, Jesus. I'm never, I'm never going to give you up. I'll never, ever give you up. But he did give him up. Do you understand me? Deep in his heart, it is like... God, I got it so wrong. You can never use me. You don't love me. I'll just sit in my boat and I'll be here. And Jesus goes, no, no, you won't. Come to me, Peter. Come to me. I know those thoughts that are in your mind. And now, Pete, I want to give you a new picture. So tell me, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these others? And he's going, Jesus, I said it once. I don't know if I can say it again. I don't know if I can say it. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he asks him twice. He says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, you know that I love you. What's, what's he doing right now? What's happening right now? What's going on? He denied him three times. Now he's saying to him, I love you. I love you. And then he says to him a third time, and it says, Peter is so grieved because, you see, he had to let go of it. He had to let go of it. He's feeling the pain of what he did, and Jesus took him right back to it and replaced it with a complete different thought. Do you understand me? It's like he's reinstating him. It's like he's reframing his whole mind. And he's going, it's okay, Pete. I know that you love me, but you've got to say it. You've got to say it. I've got to bring you to this point so that you can release the pain, all the grief, release it, because I need to give you a new picture so that you can walk into your future. Huh? I want you to walk into your future. I don't want you to be like, the, the father of Abraham, who was called. You see, the thing is that Peter, he was still called. You understand me? The fact that he denied Jesus didn't alter the fact of God's love. He didn't alter the fact of, his, of, of Peter's purpose. He didn't alter the fact of the dream that he placed in Peter's heart. He didn't alter any of those facts because God is faithful. God is with us. God is for us. God is bigger than whatever you have been through. And God can redeem it all. And that's what he wants to do. Now, do you remember there's another little story? And I've got to give you this one. 
because it's Genesis 35 and verse 16, and we're nearly, we're nearly through, but it's really important for you. I feel, I feel like the Holy Ghost is just moving right, powerfully right now. So Genesis 35 and verse 16. And you remember this. This is another. Everyone's journeying. And they were journeying. And it's Rachel. And, and we've talked about this before. He said that Rachel labored. Then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth. And she had hard labor. Next, next couple of verses, please. Then they, uh, so, so now it came to pass. And when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear, you will have this son also. Okay, more, please, just keep adding. And so it was, as her soul was departing, okay, right there, Jesus, what is that about? I don't understand it, I don't get it. Do you? I don't understand it. I don't like it. That's painful, isn't it? And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died... That she called his name Ben Oni. And that word means the son of my sorrow and grief. So listen, we say this that life comes from death. It's the principle of the kingdom of God that life comes out of death. When you give yourself up, God gives all of himself to you. Now, she literally was carrying new life on the inside of her. And she died to birth this new life. But of course the pain, the grief is so much that she named the moment as he was born. Can you imagine what he might have lived under for the rest of his life? Now, of course that's what she was feeling. It was a moment of death. It was a moment of pain. She's not understanding it. This is what she said over this moment. But then it says, can you just put it up again? Because it is a beautiful verse, this. But his father called him Benjamin. And Benjamin means the son of my right hand. The son of my right hand. In other words, father looked and he went, actually, we've got to rename this moment. We've got to rename it and we've got to see it in a different way. Because death brings forth life. And whatever is going on for you, God will redeem it. And life will come out of it. But somehow you've got to rename the moment. You've got to see it in a different way. Do you understand that? You have to rename that moment and reframe it. Because even though you're not denying any of the pain of it, you're not denying the grief of it, you're not denying what you went through, it was all true. But there is something bigger and greater and beyond where that pain wants to keep you. Do you understand me? The pain wants to keep you locked up in that place. But God says, no, no, I want you to come out. I want you to leave that pain behind now. It's time because it's been there for far too long. And you have made excuses about it and justifications about it. And you haven't understood it. But now you understand it. Now you're seeing it anew and afresh. And really, you can go, Lord, I want to rename those moments. You see, what happened for me is that I I didn't realize that I would spend the rest of my life 
building and restoring people. Do you understand me? I was, my whole life was in bits. It was in bits, man. Everything about it. I did not know how I would manage to do anything in my life. And yet, God used all those moments in some amazing way and not only gave me insight and wisdom, but also healed me and brought me wholeness so that I can help other people who were going through similar things. And we all go through similar things. Even though you think you're all sorted and whole and everything else, I want to tell you, if we were as sorted and whole as what we really thought we were, the world would be a different place. Wouldn't it? And you saw, I think it says there, restored to restore. Doesn't it? That's what it says, restored to restore. That is what you were called to do. And I am here to tell you that that is what you are doing and will do even more. But you have got to become intentional. You've got to learn how to do these things. Do you understand me? This is not just for people who want to counsel. This is not just for people who need counselling. This is for everybody. This is the way that we live our life with Jesus. Completely in the light. Do you realise, I understand why so many people actually don't like me. And I don't mean they don't like me, they just can't cope with me. I realise why it is. It's because I love discipleship. I love accountability. I live my life in the light. Really, I do. I am vulnerable. I am so vulnerable, it is painful for me. And I am worried sometimes what I'm going to say to you because I'm so open. Do you understand me? Because you can't all understand where I'm at. So I don't want to throw something out that's going to injure you. But part of me wants to say more. But even Jesus said, I can't. It's down the road. Do you understand me? But discipleship, transparency, vulnerability, sharing, intimacy... That's the story of my life. That's what I live for. And that's what I've understood. That's where Jesus lives. He lives there. Listen to me. He lives there. So if you live there, Jesus will live with you right there. And you'll have, you'll have situations with him where you sit with him and you talk to him. And everybody else is walking past and they don't realise that you're talking to Jesus and he's sat right there with you. Huh? That's beautiful. Okay, let's pray together because I am going to just ask that those places, those places, Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord. We just ask right now, Lord, that those places that are in our memory, Father, that have been places of death and grief, and upset, Father, people have lost people. They've lost beloved ones. They've been hurt through traumatic events, Father. All sorts of things that were even outside anything that they ever wanted, Lord. But, Father, you've seen it all. And you are the great restorer. You are that, Lord. That's who you are. And you redeem everything to us. That's your name, Lord. You are the great redeemer as well. And you redeem it all. And, Father... You, you see us all, Lord. You know us all. You know us when we sit and cry, Lord. When no one's watching, Lord. You know us 
in those moments that we're moved and no one else sees it, Lord, but you see it. You know us, Lord, when there's a, a thought that goes through our mind that is just, it just pains us. It, it takes our breath away. Lord, you see all of that. And I ask Holy Spirit, would you live in it in such a way that you've never done before in this house, Lord? Because we know that we're called, Lord, to do great exploits and to live in the goodness of God all the days of our lives. And Father, we say that this household, Lord, and our households want to live in that place, Father. We want to live in that place. That is our desire, to live with you in that place, Father. And we thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, Lord, we bless you. Amen? Look at someone and say, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Doing good. Doing good. Thank you, Lord.